here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. Break it down. It's the king. Oh, you didn't know? Stand back. I'm a master. Mamacita. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Eat me. Let's you're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and folks, it's a big day for Music of the Mat because today the Scorelord and the Barbarian have reunited. The power chords of pain are back together once again. That's right. My co-host for today is the one, the only, Chris Maffei. Chris, a hearty welcome back to the podcast. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's good to be back. It's good to talk to you. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, we did say on your last official episode that the door wasn't closing on your way out. You were welcome back anytime you wanted to. Um, and this conversation right now is proof of that. Now, it's been a while. It's been a while since, <laughs> since we've talked on the podcast, but we have kept in touch uh, via text. You're always uh, texting me about how much you enjoy the show and how great the podcast is doing, which I, I always appreciate, so thank you for that. Um, how are you, though? I, I hope things are, are well with you and, and with your loved ones. Oh yeah, things are going very well, man. I'm just just been enjoying the past few months and you know, kind of taking some free time to work on some some different things, develop some different projects that I have in the pipeline. Uh I may return to podcasting at some point in the near future. It won't be about wrestling, of course, but uh you know, uh, maybe the next time I come on, I'll have a little bit of news about that. But yeah, other than that, I've just been just been hanging out, just been in you know, enjoyed the holidays, you know, hanging out with my girlfriend, doing a whole bunch of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's been nice, but I've been really been enjoying the episodes and just being able to listen to this show just purely as a listener. I think you've really been doing an excellent job with it. And, you know, I, I text you after all the episodes, but I really like that you, you know, you've been trying some different things and I, I like the co-host you've been bringing on, especially man, Chris Novembrino, I could listen to him talk about wrestling themes all day i told you i i think you should have him on like every week like he's he that lij episode was fantastic so i, I really just i appreciate you you know just keeping on the podcast and just you know keeping up you know upholding the quality of the podcast and and just doing your own thing i've really been enjoying it thanks man yeah i i appreciate those kind words again thank you thank you it's been a lot of fun uh, keeping the podcast going and, and bringing on some some great guest co-hosts like Chris and Rob McCarron and Kelly uh, Harris. Yes, Kelly Harris on the 2017 uh, review episode. So it's been a real trip, that's for sure. Um, now, 
Judging by what you uh, just said a few moments ago, I assume that you still haven't watched any wrestling at all since you left the podcast? No, I haven't watched any wrestling since like late spring or like mid to late spring of, of 2017. I really, I'm just, I'm kind of checked out. I know I, I got burned out on wrestling real bad in 2015 and then I recovered a little bit and, and kind of made my way limping through the beginning of 2017 but I don't know it's just I guess maybe it's just a thing where sometimes you just can't fit certain things into your life anymore sometimes you just don't have the you know the fire or the passion for it um, to really dedicate the amount of time because as I mean the dedicated wrestling fans know that there is a lot out there there's a lot you want to watch and sometimes it's just hard to carve out time for it you know and uh, but I'm confident that at some point wrestling will come around again for me but I mean in the meantime what better way to kind of dip my toe back into things than talking about Xbox themes yeah <laughs> make some noise <laughs> yeah I got, I got my Hanson's energy drink ready got the I got my uh my Xbox Halloween mask yes, from Party yes City. I was about to mention that yeah <laughs> I even uh, I have like a tank top with the with the sides of the shirt cut off so I can wear it like a like a smock got the nunchucks by your side oh, gotta have the nunchucks now this is episode 25 and it's a very special episode because the day this episode drops will be january 23rd and that is the one year anniversary of the very first episode of music of the mat so music of the mat is one year old happy anniversary andrew yeah it's it's crazy it feels like yesterday that you and I, Chris, we, we planned the debut episode and explained the concept to Rich and Joe, and we were getting the logos and the sounders and the Twitter account ready and all that stuff, and and then recording the first episode and going from there. And back then, I was so nervous because you know I, I had no experience doing podcasts. I was very self-conscious of the way I sounded on those early episodes. I had no idea if people would listen or how long it would last or what the feedback would be like. Um, luckily, things turned out to be pretty okay, I guess, because uh, uh, I had you there you know, to be my partner and my editor going on. Uh, we had the backing of Rich and Joe and the rest of BOW. The feedback we got was universally positive. I'm always so grateful that this podcast has an audience and they are so supportive of it and they love it so much. Uh, it's really, truly great. And those early days turned to weeks, which turned to months, which turned to a full year. And it's had its ups and downs, but through it all, I, the support has been there. And the creativity has been there, and the fun has been there. So I'm thankful to still be here one year later doing this podcast. It's been a wild trip. Chris, do you have anything to say about this special occasion? I just want to say, dude, you were you were like born to do this podcast, really. I mean... Everything combined, your 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 writing, your knowledge of wrestling, your knowledge of wrestling themes, your you know your puns, your, your knowledge of music in general, it all kind of combines, and it makes you, I think, the ideal person to be hosting a podcast about wrestling themes. So, for that reason, I'm very glad that uh, I tweeted out, you know, something about wanting to start a wrestling theme music podcast when I was still on Twitter that I that I tweeted that out and that you that you found that and that you got eyes on that because I mean if that didn't happen then the world would 
really be missing out on what I feel is you in your element doing what you should be doing. So I'm just really glad that you're doing it, that you continue on, and that we all get to listen. I mean, it's it's really – people really – have responded to the podcast and you know when I was a part of it I got to see that you know on the on the on the Twitter timeline that people were really stoked on it and I think a huge 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 part of that is because of you you are the heart and soul of this podcast so for that I I thank you for for still keeping it going and for having an open door for me to come back and and for us to kind of rekindle the old flame if you will oh shucks thank you so much Chris you're gonna make me blush Stop it now. Stop it. <laughs> now, today's topic is a theme history episode, and like you said earlier, Chris, uh, it's the theme history of the X to the P to the A to the C to the D to the I to the D to the D to the Y to the D to the I to the D. <laughs> it's X-Pocky. I'm sorry I had to, Chris. I, I had to. I, I couldn't help myself. Well, if that wasn't the most unexpected <laughs> musical reference. Uh, yeah, it's X-Pac. Uh, six. Six-Pac. The one, two, three kid. Lightning kid. Sean Waltman. A man of many names. X-Punk, as Shane McMahon used to call him. We're doing the theme history of Sean Waltman, X-Pac, uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all... You hear the one, two, three kid theme on every single episode of the show. That's true. That one, two, three in the intro is sampled directly from that one, two, three kid theme. So he's been a big part of the show uh, from the very beginning. In fact, I believe it was way back on the first episode, actually, that Chris, you told a story about going to a Walgreens and finding a CD of wrestling theme covers. <laughs> yes. And one of the songs on the album was X-Pac's WWF theme, Make Some Noise. And you discovered that the very first line in the song was not what you thought it was. So if you would please, Chris, uh, tell that story one more time. Well, this is, uh, this is the CD that ruined my life because <laughs> up until that point, I, like every other wrestling fan in the world, thought that the intro, the stinger to X-Pac's theme was just Chris Warren screaming or, well, it really sounds like he's throwing up the word X-Pac, which is very appropriate (laughs) for many reasons. But listening to this CD, this awful, awful cover of X-Pac's theme, which, by the way, all the covers were awful. It's not just this one, but this awful cover. And in the intro, they say, make some noise. So then that got me thinking, oh, well, wait a minute here. And then upon further research and discovery i surmise that chris warren was actually screaming make some noise instead of x-pac because to me it never really just sounded like x-pac it always sounded like he was saying like vex pox or something like that it didn't it didn't quite it's a little sound... hard to decipher yeah, yeah they're not the cleanest vocals in the world but but in the arena when you're just watching it on raw it just sounds like x-pac and that's what everyone I mean that's what you would assume you know it's X-Pac's theme it sounds enough like X-Pac you would surmise that he's yelling X-Pac but no this horrible awful awful CD called what was it called Extreme Wrestling Anthems or something to that effect this opened my eyes to the fact that no it was uh, it was actually Make Some Noise was the lyric it 
completely ruined my entire vision of the song. One of my favorite theme songs, by the way, for reasons that I'm still trying to figure out as we're recording right now so that I can talk about them later. And I remember I was shocked that you thought that he was saying X-Pac instead of make some noise. Right. I just thought everyone knew that Chris Warren was saying make some noise because that's the title of the song. And what you experienced, Chris, is actually a common occurrence in music in general. It's called a mondegreen. And that's when you hear a lyric and you think it's saying one thing, but it's actually saying another thing that sounds very similar. Like the famous example is Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, I knew you were, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> yeah, the line, excuse me while I kiss the sky. Some people hear it as, excuse me while I kiss this guy. Or in Blinded by the Light by Manfred Mann's Earth Band, the line, revved up like a deuce, people hear it as, wrapped up like a douche. <laughs> the one that always makes me annoyed when I hear people say this is when people think the line in Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap by ACDC is Dirty Deeds Thunder Chief. That doesn't even make sense. I don't get it. The name of the song is Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. The name of the album is Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Where the hell is Thunder Chief coming from? To quote William Hurt in A History of Violence. How do you fuck that up? How do you fuck that up? But in any event, uh, we'll get to make some noise later on for sure. And rest assured, people, we will talk about the cover of Make Some Noise. Because there is, there is some gold in them there hills, uh, shall we say. But that's all coming later. Chris, let's start by giving our own thoughts on X-Pac himself, Sean Waltman. You can go first. Uh, what are your thoughts on the man? Uh, any memories of him come to mind? I have to imagine that given that you sampled his theme for the show and that Make Some Noise is one of your favorite songs, that he's one of your favorite wrestlers. Am I, am I right in that assumption? Um, all right. Well, let me, let, me, let me just preface this by I was eight years old. When I first got into wrestling, Steve Austin was my entire world. But then after that, like, he was 1A, and then 1B was X-Pac, all right? Because, first of all, he was small, and I was small. So I was like, listen, if I could envision myself being anyone that's not Steve Austin, because it doesn't count, Steve Austin was like a superhero, X-Pac was like, oh, well, he's just a small dude, I could be him. You know, that's within reason that I could eventually grow up to be X-Pac. Thank God that that did not happen. <laughs> but X-Pac was always, you know, he was small, he was fast, he had good matches, although I don't think that really meant much to me at the age of eight. I just think it was more the presentation, the theme song, as we will talk about. I thought it was cool. I thought the whole DX vibe was cool, even though, looking back, they were all really just losers and really lame, but... At the time, it was like, oh, man, this is cool. They have the leather jackets. They have the cool entrance. And then they all kind of do their own thing. And I liked X-Pac's gear. I thought he had really cool gear, especially when when, when he was wearing the, the red and black and white. And I thought his entrance was cool when he had the, the X-Pyro. 
doing the crotch chops. At eight years old, nine years old, I thought, this is really cool. I, I, I dig this. I like it. And I liked it enough that my first action figure that I bought at KB Toys was, it wasn't even a real like action figure. It was one of the the Bendums. I don't know if, if anyone remembers the Bendums, but they were really small. They were like half the size of the normal action figure. And you couldn't really do anything besides just bend the limbs. But it was X-Pac in like street clothes. So it was like jeans and a leather jacket and he had like a red bandana. And the back of the package, like the, the cardboard, it had like a, a little trading card that you could cut out from the package. It had like little dots where you can cut it out. And I cut that out. That little X-Pac trading card that had like an animated picture of him on it. And then you turn it over and had like his bio and like like his height and weight and his, you know, things like that. Little stats. A little, you know, a little trading card that came with the packaging. I kept that in my wallet for an embarrassingly long amount of time. <laughs> I really don't even want to tell you when I finally took it out. But it was within the last five years. Oh, So, X-Pac has always had some kind of weird... I've always had a weird soft spot for him. Just because at such a formative age, he was a guy that stood out to me and that I kind of resonated with and that I dug his whole appearance and his whole kind of presentation. So, X-Pac, while I realized that he was indeed a solid a solid worker and and he's still a guy that I think is you know a solid worker and a good mind for the business he's had his his share of ups and downs certainly but uh X-Pac really kind of when I was younger he was he was definitely one of my favorites yeah I missed his entire 90s run as 123 kid and 6 and X-Pac so the first time that I ever saw him wrestle was when he was in TNA for the second time around I think it was 2005 as Sean Waltman, and he was wrestling guys like AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn and Raven, and having really, really good matches. And then I went back later and watched those 90s matches, and sure enough, he was having really good matches back then too. X-Pac is a guy who, he's never been one of my all-time favorite guys, but I've always enjoyed watching him wrestle, whether as X-Pac or 1-2-3-Kid or 6-Pac or Sean Wallman, or whatever, I've never come out of watching one of his matches and thought, ah, oh, geez, uh, X-Pac really, really stunk up the joint there. Maybe I wasn't a fan of him on a personality level, and we'll get to that later as well, but athletically, I think overall he's always either held his own or been better than his opponents. I mean, there's a reason why Vince considered him to be his measuring stick because if you couldn't have a good match with X-Pac then who could you have a good match with he was that good he's really one of the more consistent veteran guys that I can think of considering his classic feud with Jerry Lynn in GWF was 91 going all the way through the 90s in WWF and WCW into the 2000s with TNA off and on and then into the 2010s in places like Chikara, where he had that fantastic match with El Generico. So we're talking over 20 years of him being a really great wrestler, which not a lot of people can say that about. 
And I'd actually go so far as to say that maybe we don't appreciate him enough for what he did for wrestling. Because if you think about it, he was a trailblazer for so many wrestlers of his size and his style in mainstream wrestling in America. There weren't cruiserweight or junior heavyweight wrestlers in the WWF on national television each and every week as stars before he came along. All the stars at that point were bigger guys like Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Andre the Giant, Undertaker, and so on. You had Brett, you had Sean, you had Owen, who were smaller guys, but they were still bigger than 123Kid. He was, you know, he was very unique. Uh, there was no one like him in the WWF at the time. And him beating Razor Ramon on that Raw gave his size and his style legitimacy and said that, yeah, there is room for guys like him on the show and they can be popular and they can be a star amongst the, the Giants. So even though people may not consider him to be on the same level as a Jushin Thunder Liger or a Rey Mysterio, I think he's just as important because without him setting the tone for so many guys that would come later down the line, wrestling would probably look a lot different in America, I think. And not only was he great at being that high-flying junior wrestler, he was also really great at playing the smaller dickhead heel who bullies around the bigger sympathetic babyfaces, like the Kane feud in 99 is a great example of that. It's hard to feel sympathy for a guy when they're so much bigger than their opponent, but X-Pac was so good at playing just a total dickhead that he could make it work. Um, and it also doesn't hurt that, you know, you have a bucket hat, energy drink, nunchucks. That always helps make people think that you're a giant douchebag. So L- Let me clarify here. When I said before that I dug Xbox's whole presentation, <laughs> I, I would like to omit bucket hats from that statement. I have never <laughs> endorsed the use of a bucket hat ever in my life, and I'd like to be on record with that. Your statement is uh, now on the record, <laughs> and it is gone on permanent file, so don't worry. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the themes Now, a bunch of themes that X-Pac has had in his career are themes that we've already discussed in depth on previous episodes, specifically the NWO episode. So we're not going to dive into those again because we already did them, but we will mention them and still give those themes the nod, but everything else we will give the full Monty to. Starting with our first theme, this was Sean Waltman's theme from 1991 to 1992, when he was the Lightning Kid in UWF. Now, there have been many promotions called the UWF. Herb Abrams had one. uh, Bill Watts had one. Japan had a bunch of them. This one was co-founded by Gran Hamada, and it ran from 1990 to 1995. It was actually a precursor to Michinoku Pro because it had guys like Great Sasuke, Super Delphin, Takamichi Noku, Kaz Hayashi, Jinsei Shinzaki, Dick Togo, Men's Tao, and also had guys like Ultimo Dragon, Gato Njado, Jerry Lynn, and The Lightning Kid. The song is by the band Asia. It's off their second album, Alpha. The song is called Don't Cry. 
So this is one of those outside popular songs that is chosen to be a wrestling theme. And you listen to the music, and you look at the lyrics, and you think, why is this a wrestling theme? Because <laughs> it's this pop rock song, very keyboard heavy, and it's about this woman who has had a rough romantic life. She's been mistreated, cheated, and the narrator says that that's all over now because he found her and he's going to love her and treat her right. So don't cry. It's a good song, but not exactly the right fit for a wrestling theme. Now I'll give UWF a pass here because it is the early 90s. The idea that every wrestler on the planet now has to have a theme song is relatively novel. And yeah, the songs that are being chosen may not be the best songs for the situation, but they're still figuring it out. It's also a smaller promotion in Japan in the 90s. They don't have a Jim Johnston or a Kitamura to make them music, so they have to make do with what they have. I'd also think the language barrier might have played a factor yeah. here. <laughs> I mean, if, if Sean Waltman wasn't picking this for himself, in which case... That's a little bit of questionable judgment, but I, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta admit that intro is incredibly epic, though, is it not? Oh, it absolutely is. Uh, listen, listen, I'm an old man. I'm a 25 year old <laughs> geezer. You know this by now. I am a huge fan of the band Asia. In fact, I am not ashamed to admit that when their most recent album came out, I bought it on iTunes the day of. No shame at all. Soul Survivor is an incredibly catchy song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Heat of the Moment, uh, Time Again, Go, Only Time Will Tell. They got a lot of great songs. Yeah, man. Listen, I'm, I'm with you here. This is this is a safe space for people who like Asia. I'm not as big of a fan as you are, but I, I like a few songs, and, and, you know, I gotta admit, this is one of them. <laughs> it's a really catchy, good rock song. And I suppose you could make the argument that The Lightning Kid... He's a young guy, good-looking, I suppose. Uh, maybe UWF wants to appeal to the female audience by pairing this uh, lovely rock song with the Lightning Kid. Maybe. You know, it strikes me as being very Karate Kid, almost. So maybe something played a factor in there. You, you know what it? You know what it is? It, it's the Karate Kid Part Three with the evil nuclear waste tycoon Terry Silver. That's like, <laughs> this should have been in that movie. It, it has that sound to it. It's, it's not Peter Cetera, but it's the next best thing. Yeah, it, it does have that classic 80s uh, corporate rock sound. Yeah. Very safe, very poppy. It, it's certainly of a time. This, the thing with this song, though, is that as soon as the verse comes in, all the drama and atmosphere that that intro created just kind of vanishes into thin air. I mean, it does come back a few times later, but it's really a bait and switch where you're like, all right, okay, oh, uh, all right. That was kind of my <laughs> reaction. when, In terms of thinking of it as a wrestling theme, when I heard it, I think of like the gif of like... You know Vince McMahon, the gif where they cut him looking at the bodybuilder where he's oh, lo yeah. <laughs> really looking at Stacy Keebler. The the part of the gif where he like stands up, you just like it cuts to him like standing up with that weird grin on his oh, face. Yeah. Mm. Like like that would be my expression mm. oh, during yeah. the intro. Mm. Yeah. And then like the rest of the verse would just be like Vince falling out of the chair. It's just weird to think about Sean Waltman having anything to do with Asia given like his whole rap rock vibe you know it's it's weird but uh i mean you never know 
It is a little strange, yeah. X-Pac, he, he does have a type, I think, and 80s prog rock supergroup is not it. <laughs> no, definitely no. not. So Waltman signs with the WWF in 1993, and he debuts there as the Kamikaze Kid, then he's the Cannonball Kid, and then he's just the Kid. Because, uh, keep in mind, at this point, he really is just a kid. He's only 20, 21 years old. And he's already had those classic matches with Jerry Lynn in GWF. So he's got some cred already, which is pretty amazing. And then he scores a huge upset over Razor Ramon on Raw. And he makes a name for himself on the national level when he becomes the 1-2-3 kid. So his theme music by Jim Johnston is called 1-2-3. It starts off with what I think is a very smart and clever opening, which is, of course, the three count, with the crowd chanting along and cheering, one, two, three, yeah! Not only does this give the theme a unique stinger, it also helps further distinguish the one, two, three kid as being unique amongst the entire roster, because, again, there weren't guys like him in the WWF who were his size and taken seriously. If you were a small guy back then, most likely, you're getting your ass kicked by the big boys. Uh, go look up the footage of little Jeff Hardy getting stretched to fuck by Razor Ramon, for example. But you put the three count in this song. The three count which propelled him to stardom, which became his claim to fame during this first run. And you're saying that, yes, he's small, but he can still get the win. He's not like the other little guys. And the three count repeats all throughout the song which suggests multiple victories. So that's a, that's a pretty smart decision by Jim Johnston to use it that way. It's so natural. It makes so much sense. And it also automatically makes it sound like he's getting a huge pop <laughs> right at the beginning of his theme. Gotta love a little bit of canned heat. But I've always been a fan of this song. My cousin had Full Metal the album, and this was on it. This version, there's actually a slightly different mix on the anthology that instead of the crowd in the intro, it just has like a group of guys going one, two, three in the intro, and it's it's so much cheesier. But I like this version a lot because of just it's this really that that stinger in the intro that just makes it. Because if you take that out, this could realistically be for anyone on the roster at that point in time. I mean, this is very much of its time that mid 90s period it's you know it's a it's you know it's a rock and riff it's not the heaviest song ever you know it's not even close but it does it does have some some rock and organs thrown in there you know some a little bit like uriah heap it's kind of like a almost like a throwback 70s type of vibe on it but it has that 90s cheesiness and when you add in the customization of having the one two three it just kind of puts a little bit of a sonic stamp on what would otherwise be your kind of run-of-the-mill mid-90s wrestling theme. So while the song itself is good, I think it's more about the stinger and the sonic stamp. And that's why it's 
it's in the intro of of this podcast because it's memorable and it fits in with you know the entire theme of the one two three kid not only that but just it's it's so natural to include things like crowd chance or in this case you know a referee counting three it's natural to include that in music because it is in itself musical you know a referee counting to the mat that's just like counting off a beat so i like whenever there's something like that tied in an element from pro wrestling put into music that is then used in pro wrestling it's you know it's kind of like wrestling imitating music and then the music then imitating wrestling it's kind of this weird chain and I like whenever you can incorporate something like a crowd chant or some sort of wrestling element. It's not done nearly enough, but what it is, like Genki Horiguchi's theme in, uh, incorporating the H.A. Jimmy chants. It's kind, of, it's kind of like that. So I love whenever you know a composer will take something directly from wrestling, incorporate it into the theme, and it makes sense musically. Yeah, like you said, you take that stinger out, and there's really nothing to write home about with this song. It's quite basic. Uh, simple structures, simple beats, simple components. Very early 90s sounding Jim Johnston guitar. Not quite that heavily processed guitar sound that would come later in the decade, but you can tell that it's on its way. Something I did notice, though, that's pretty interesting. The keyboard melody that goes into the turnaround sounds strikingly similar to the turnaround melody in Dark Side. So maybe Jim Johnston liked that melody and repackaged it for The Undertaker. Very interesting observation. See, I wouldn't have even been in the headspace to think of Dark Side while listening to this song. So that's really interesting that you that you picked that out of there. Yeah, that's those organs, I'm going to have to go back and, and revisit that. Wow. So the 123 Kid is around the WWF for a few years as pretty much just a mid-carter. Uh, he was a WWF Tag Team Champion with Bob Holly for a cup of coffee. Then, in 1996, a little thing called the New World Order pops up. You may have heard of it. And it's headed by two of Sean Waltman's best friends, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Of course, the three of them belonging to the infamous backstage group, The Click. WCW starts gaining popularity by leaps and bounds. So, when Sean Waltman leaves the WWF... He naturally goes to WCW and joins his buddies in the NWO. His new name would be Six, or Six Pac, because Chris, as we all know, Sean Waltman, a huge fan of the show Blossom. Just can't get enough of Mayim Bialik and Joey Lawrence and Jenna Von Oy especially. I thought it was because he was George Costanza's first child, the second being seven. seven yes. <laughs> Uh, the magic is back. The magic is back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so fucking stupid. Six, six Costanza. No, actually, Waltman is the sixth man to join the NWO. And when you add up the one, two, three, and one, two, three kid, you get the number six. So there you go. 
Of course, when you're in the NWO, you get the NWO theme, Rock House by Frank Shelley, which we discussed in the NWO episode. And he also had the always fantastic NWO B-Team theme, Tear It Up by Jimmy Hart and Howard Helm, which we also discussed in the NWO episode. And yes, Chris, that is correct. (laughs) I concur. Now, as far as singles themes in WCW go, this is a bit tricky because the clips that I've seen of him in WCW... Wallman always came out to an NWO theme, but I found an NWO album that came out just in Japan, not NWO Japan, the original American NWO, that lists this next song as the sixth theme. And there are plenty of YouTube videos that call this theme his WCW singles theme. So we're going to err on the side of caution here and talk about it. It's by Jimmy Hart and Howard Helm. And it's called Buzzkill. So it is unconfirmed whether or not this was Six Pac's theme, but listening to the song, you could make the argument, because if we know one thing about Sean Waltman, it's that he does enjoy a bit of that ganja, a bit of that wacky tabacky, a bit of that reddit.com slash r slash trees. <laughs> and this song is totally trying to get that long-haired stoner rock vibe the laid-back wailing guitar, you just feel like packing a bowl and cruising on down to the Caius concert and just letting the day float on by a man. And just in case you don't get the hint, there's a helpful stoner voiceover. Buzzkill. You're killing my buzz. You're a buzzkill. Oddly enough, to me, it does sound like big sexy Kevin Nash cutting a promo on like a, a 2000 Thunder. Just five beers in, not a care in the world. Hey, Scott Steiner, you're killing my buzz. You're a buzz kill. First of all, I've never heard this song in my entire life. Second of all, me being someone who has never, ever partaken in this substance that you call the ganja, um, I have no interest in that, and I know nothing about it, so I knew nothing. I, I did not even connect it in any way to that. I didn't get that vibe at all. That's not what I extrapolated from this theme. I mean, the only thing that I really extrapolated from this theme was just the word buzzkill being said intermittently by who I thought sounded like Scott Hall. Oh, yeah. So that's interesting that we picked the the different outsider. We each picked the different out Because it really, it sounds like it could have been either one of them. Two men, same, don't give a fuck attitude. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just so stupid. I mean, musically, there's nothing to write home about here. Yeah, it's generic rock. Generic rock with a B section that 
for the first time, I the first time I heard it, it sounded like it was about to be the some kind of monster main riff to my ears. I just for some reason I thought that was what was coming, and I've never been more disappointed to not hear something off of Saint Anger <laughs> in my life. But the whole time, Lucy, I just imagined there was like a Scott Hall pull string doll that for some reason only said phrases with the word buzzkill and then i was just imagining the voiceover session for that (laughs) for that doll for the little voice box in that doll imagine the outtakes but buzzkill buzzkill if you were in toy store you'd be but you you'd kill buzz because you're because you're buzzkill if you were in Home Alone, you would kill Buzz, <laughs> because you're a Buzz kill. If you were on the Apollo 11 mission, you'd be killing Buzz, you're a Buzz <laughs> kill. <laughs> if, you, if, if you went to the barber shop, your barber would die. Yeah, uh, uh, there is one more piece of evidence to suggest that this was Six's theme. And it's that in WCW, Six's finishing move, the cross-faced chicken wing, was called the Buzz Killer. <laughs> so maybe it, it could have been his theme. Maybe. I mean, even if this wasn't Six's theme, when else are we going to talk about the Buzz Kill song? Well, you know, there could have been a dedicated Buzz Kill episode. That's true. That's true. There was a wrestler in WCW named Buzz Kill who had this theme. And coincidentally, he was portrayed by Brad Armstrong, brother of Brian Armstrong, a.k.a. the Road Dog, who himself was known for smoking that herb, yo. So theoretically, if we did an Armstrong Family episode or a WCW Jobbers episode, we could talk about Buzzkill again. If the listeners wanted it, of course. I I doubt they would, but you never know. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm sure there's one guy out there, you know? Wrestling fans, you never know, so... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Buzz Kill. So, Six, or Six Pac, uh, he's in WCW only for a very short time, a little more than a year. He was mainly used in the Cruiserweight division, so he won the WCW Cruiserweight Championship a few times. Then, Waltman gets injured in late 97, and... While he's injured, he gets fired via FedEx by Eric Bischoff. And uh, thus, he returns to WWF in 1998 after WrestleMania 14, and he joins another popular stable, D-Generation X, essentially taking Shawn Michaels' place. Because, as Triple H put it, When you start an army, yeah, you look to your blood, da, you look to your buddies, ah. You look to your friends, ah. You look to the click, ah. So he's in DX and he gets the new name X-Pac. Six-Pac, X-Pac, Hardy-Har-Har. And because he's now in DX, that means he gets the DX theme. One of the most iconic themes of the Attitude Era and beyond. Off of WWF The Music Volume 3, this is Chris Warren and the DX band with Break It Down. Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down!
this theme has a big legacy attached to it because when people think of the Attitude Era, they tend to think of DX and this theme. I mean, when WWE talks about the Attitude Era, they bring up DX a lot and they play this song a lot. You'd be hard-pressed to find a video package about the Attitude Era that doesn't have Break It Down in it somewhere. And to be fair to WWE, this song is one of those songs that it just makes you think of the Attitude Era. And it inhabits the spirit of what that era was like, especially early on in 98 and 99. I mean, the opening lines, you think you can tell us what to do, you think you can tell us what to wear, yada yada yada. That was the mindset of DX, who were rebellious, anti-authority, sure, sure. To quote MC Hammer, they do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live, play how they want to play, dance what they want to dance, kick in the slap a friend, Degeneration X, da -na -na -na. But it wasn't just them, you know, it, it, that was the mindset of the Attitude Era as a whole. WWF became this wild, rebellious product, doing crazy shit on TV every week, using profanity and middle fingers and tits and ass and all this crazy stuff. So they were going away from the kid-friendly cartoonishness of previous eras and uh, breaking down, if you will, the norms of what the company was presented as. When you put this theme in context at the time, this kind of presents an entirely new and different style of wrestling theme, especially for this company. This kind of swept over everything and kind of ushered in the new norm, which was a harder edge, screaming vocals, more contemporary styles of music, obviously emulating Rage Against the Machine, you know, getting a sound-alike band to kind of fit that vibe, fit that style to kind of contemporize the wrestling theme, which I felt, especially in the early 90s, was like five to ten years behind what popular music was at the time. Especially in WWF, I always felt like they were never quite there when it came to music. When it came to original music, it was always from just another time or from the time before. So this theme really kind of ushered in a contemporary type of finger on the pulse of what is going on in the music scene. And Jim Johnston getting a guy like Chris Warren, who would go on to have a, a very interesting legacy with the company. It's very hard to kind of pin down Chris Warren and a lot of details about him. I do know that he was in a band called Brokin, and I do know that... He was kind of local to the Long Island slash New York City scene, so he was kind of around, and he was very accessible. I remember messaging him on MySpace back in the day to ask him if, if he had any information on where I could get a good quality version of the Superstars theme that he did in the late 90s. I mean, this was a very interesting collaboration. You have a guy like Jim Johnston who is kind of reclusive and there's not a whole lot of information about him and you spoke at length about him on your on your legacy of Jim Johnston episode and really Chris Warren being a, a collaborator of Jim Johnston is interesting in the fact that there's not really a whole lot of information on Chris Warren either we don't know how the two linked up we don't know how you know there's there are some tidbits of Jim Johnston talking about the DX theme in interviews and you know, writing the lyrics, coming up with the intro, things like that. But 
I would just love to hear Jim Johnston sit down and hash out the details, just even about this theme in particular, because it's so interesting how one theme kind of comes along and suddenly everything that comes after it is so different from what came before it. This, I think, really marked kind of a sea change for the way that Jim Johnston was composing themes for the company. And I think it's really got to be up there in discussion for some of the most iconic music to ever come out of pro wrestling. And it's not just that the song is so iconic because of the way it sounds. It's also a very smart and effectively constructed theme, much like the one, two, three kid theme, actually, because it has the intro with that monologue and that opening line, are you ready? Which sets a mood. It, it builds this tension and anticipation for DX to come out and go wild. I think Christo Membrino actually said it on the LIJ episode, it's always fun to have a song build up to a release of a big moment as opposed to just starting with the big moment. And that's what this song does really well. You get that, that kick drum, that boom, boom. Maybe a few notes here and there on the bass. You hear that guitar snare. You can tell that it's building and building. And Chris Warren is spouting off all these lines and his vocal inflection starts to raise towards the end. You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready to bow to the masters. Like So even he is building up the anticipation. And then he shouts, break it down! And the dam breaks and... The band comes in in full, and we get DX coming out, and everybody goes nuts. It's a tried-and-true formula, and it works. It's so arrogant and teasing, that intro, the way it just builds up and takes its time and forces you to sit there and wait, kind of like when you guys were talking about Naito's theme, except for when this theme kicks in, it's like all fucking bets are off because you have the lights going, you have, if you're watching on TV, the VFX that they used to do for DX's entrance, which I thought were just the coolest thing. I mean, I don't know if if it sent anyone into epileptic shock or anything like that, but just watching it and seeing like the green flashing and cutting between the footage of like riots happening and then like the girl like headbanging or whatever and like the people up against the fence and just hearing the music and hearing this hard rock kind of funk rock rap rock whatever you want to call it you know the rage against the machine inspired theme which i mean we're no stranger to rage against the machine inspired themes because obviously steve austin's theme is very heavily inspired as you've documented uh and as is as is well known but for a customized theme song with lyrics and a presentation, the kind of entrance that DX were given, it really upped the ante for what you could do composing wrestling themes for wrestlers and presenting it on TV. It like took it to a whole different level that I'm not sure that anything, obviously you could say the NWO, but that wasn't even a customized theme. That was obviously from production music, as as we've talked about. But this theme, I feel, whatever you want to think about DX and, you know, looking back, so much of the stuff was cringy and, you know, you can look at it with rose-colored glasses and, and, and all that, but you can't dispute that the vibe was just so different and so cool and so new that you really couldn't look away. As soon as that Are You Ready hits and you hear the kick drum, 
and you see the whole arena just kind of glowing green. It really was a cool experience. So for as crappy as a lot of the DX segments were and as awful as it is to kind of look back and go, uh, eh, maybe not. The entrance still fucking kicks ass. And as far as the body of the song goes, it's kind of funny. You mentioned funk rock. Jim Johnston himself described that main riff as a funk riff that, for whatever reason, he chose for this theme. And sure enough, it is quite bass heavy. Oh, yeah. And there's quite a heft to it, like a lot of funk riffs have. Nothing speedy, nothing too thrashy, no swearing either. It's a rather clean and straightforward song. I think ultimately what gives it its punk credibility, if you want to call it that, is the late Chris Warren himself. He's got that perfect, snotty, wrong side of the tracks, you know, that Long Island dirtbag kind of voice, you know, you know who you're talking to. <laughs> it's just it's just the perfect voice for this song. You can't have the singer be too screamy or be too nice. It has to have the right amount of grit and sneer and Chris Warren he had that in spades. Uh, as Jim Johnston described it, uh, his voice was attitudinal. And he takes lines that otherwise would be pretty cheesy. Like, uh, well, you better get used to the way the ball bounces. I've seen what you got. It measures in ounces. With another singer, that line would fall flat in its face. But Chris makes it work. So a big shout out, a big rock and peace to Chris Warren. Very, very sadly, he died so young. He was only 49 years old and he he died very suddenly. It's just just terrible. Yeah. But as long as this song keeps getting played on WWE programming, and you know, considering who married the boss's daughter, that looks <laughs> like it's going to be a long time. Uh, Chris Warren's legacy will live on in perpetuity. Yeah, he just so such a such a unique. Even though, you know, when you're younger, especially when I when I was younger, I thought early on that this was a Rage Against the Machine song just because, you know, maybe files being mislabeled online or, you know, just things online saying, oh, DX's theme is by Rage Against the Machine. And then you don't put together that, oh, no, wait, no, it's by the DX band. They performed it live. But there's always that misinformation out there of people mislabeling it by Rage Against the Machine. But even in that, he had such a unique style of vocal and he had this ability to take Jim Johnston's words. Now, Jim Johnston is probably one of the least threatening humans I think you could ever see. I mean, in in the limited footage that we have of him, he just, you know, he just looks like a a nerdy white guy who lives in the studio and just lives to make music. And to be able to take his words and really just effortlessly make them sound like tough talk and like they're coming from someone like Chris Warren you know, someone tough, someone with an edge to them, someone that's rebellious, you know, with that type of sincerity and to have it all just sound really cool. I think that takes a special talent. And I think there's something lost when you either bring in commercial bands who don't really have an investment in pro wrestling, or you just bring in these studio vocalists or unknowns who really aren't putting their heart and soul into this. Chris Warren, he put his heart and soul into the wrestling themes that he did. You know, listen to this, listen to my time, even the goddamn WWF superstars theme that he did. He's screaming his heart out. And it's just such a shame that we didn't get more of it. We didn't get to hear from him 
we don't we never get to hear his side of the story of of how this came to be how this collaboration came to be and he'll never get to be honored you know and i really think that that's something that that wwe lacks they lack the uh honoring the people who contribute to the music of their company on a stage like the hall of fame or something and i know it means nothing but you can't you can't imagine pro wrestling especially modern pro wrestling without music and i couldn't imagine a stable like dx without this theme so i think that there's really a lot that should be said about chris warren and the legacy of of the themes that he did well we're not done with them yet of course we, we have our next theme which was xbox singles theme during this second wwf run this is again chris warren with jim johnston off of WWF The Music Volume 3, this is Make Some Noise! Make some noise! Xbox! You think you can tell us what to do? Yeah. You think you can tell us what to win? Yeah. You think you better? Yeah. Well, you better get ready to bow to the master. that sound <laughs> i love hearing it and i love making it yeah wow. it's uh whenever your stomach makes like a gurgling sound yeah. <laughs> just gotta yeah. go make some noise chris uh what's the front of a boat called the bow <laughs> what do actors do when a play is over oh no oh no you got more <laughs> they bow that's all i got that's all i got <laughs> oh man this was a this was a Fave 5 theme for me, remember That's that? That's right, yeah, all those, uh, yeah. those many, many, many moons ago, yes, yes. Now, I'm about to admit something that, to be honest, I'm a little ashamed of admitting. Okay. And it has to do with this song. I, I did not realize until very recently that Make Some Noise is heavily derivative of Break It Down. That Make really? Some Noise heavily samples Break It Down both in regards to the music and to the lyrics. I mean, the intro in both songs is the same monologue, word for word. It's the same thing. It's just spoken in a different inflection. You think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready to bow to the masters. Same words. They're just said like more in like a, you know, a more cocky, laid-back manner. The first verse... And the section that has the book on a shelf part, those are the same lines sung by Chris Warren uh, in the original DX theme. Those are the DX lyrics, no ifs, ands, or buts. And the main riff too, the that's the riff. And it's so weird that it took me so long to realize this. Yeah, I, I swear to God, <laughs> I, I did not make the connection until very recently. I, I really hope I'm not alone here. I I really hope that I just I just blew someone's mind right now. I mean, I'm sure it's possible. I guess, I mean, I guess it depends on your familiar your familiarity with X Pac's theme. And uh, granted, 
you know, you weren't watching at that time. You didn't kind of experience it in real time. So I can see that if it's not something that you really revisit a whole lot, that you wouldn't have that just built-in knowledge of it being... Yeah, I don't listen to these themes often, so I guess it right. never registered with me. No, but I, I love I love the idea of taking the main foundation of the factions theme and then parsing that out into a different version and kind of doing a little remix and making it a custom theme for one wrestler within the faction. Now, before this, now I don't know if you're going to put this together, but do you know the song Fist on the anthology? No, that doesn't really ring a bell for me. No. Well, there's there's a version of the DX theme called Fist that Mike Tyson used. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I know. Yep. Yeah, you, you mentioned Mike Tyson, DX. I gotcha, yep. The foundation of Make Some Noise is actually built off of Fist. So that's where it kind of taking the DX theme and kind of sampling it and putting a more hip-hop production under it, that's where that comes from. So while Fist is a lot more stripped down and has a different, a different verse, that's the main foundation for what would then become Xbox theme. So I always like the kind of, you know, A to B to C, so it was break it down to fist to make some noise. combination of rap and rock like we see here and like we see on fist it's something that as we've mentioned many times on the podcast is kind of a jim johnston staple and i have to think that this would be one of the first instances of him really going for it especially to this degree now one thing that i'll say is that i've kind of gotten on him a little bit over you know the course of some of the previous episodes that it just kind of feels like he likes to shoehorn in heavy metal guitars <laughs> in the middle of a hip-hop beat sometimes, and they don't always sound like they belong there. But I think that this completely fits. The guitars sound grimy enough and lend themselves so well because it's the DX riff is built on a funk groove, and what is a lot of hip-hop built on? Funk. You know, James Brown funk. So it kind of goes hand-in-hand. Hand. So... For that fact, this is one of the, I guess, one of the proto Jim Johnston rap rock hybrids that I think completely works on on all counts, and and it doesn't feel forced. It feels very, uh, it feels very authentic. Uh, now that said, there's nothing else like it. You're not gonna go listen to any hip hop records from the '90s and hear anything that really sounds like this. I guess the closest would maybe be some of the stuff, the crossover rap metal stuff that MOP did. But that's even like early 2000s, so that doesn't really, you know, it's it's still unique. It's still the unique voice of Jim Johnston, who, while scoring the World Wrestling Federation, really just could paint any kind of way that he wanted to with any kind of colors. And I like to hear the seeds being planted of something that he would eventually do in almost every theme. So, uh... This being one of my favorite themes of all time, I mean, I don't know. It's just got so many elements that are appealing to me. It's got the great Chris Warren vocals. 
it's got that great stinger that broke my heart when I found out that it wasn't just him throwing up the word X-Pac. It also has some cool verses. I'm not sure who the rapper is on this theme. Neither do There's... I. No, I-, I couldn't find anything about him. There's so little information out there on who a lot of the rappers are that aren't like known rappers. A lot of the like studio musicians or whatever, or just you know low level rappers that they bring in to to do verses for a lot of the tracks. There's virtually no information out there, and I would love for it to just be compiled somewhere. And I mean, if I had the means and the connections and the information, I would almost do it myself because it's so interesting to me that. There's a whole slew of artists who have performed themes that have been heard thousands of times by wrestling fans, and nobody knows who they are. So I, that's always jumped out at me is, who's doing the verses here on, on this song? That's that's something that I've always kind of wondered. Yeah, I couldn't find anything about the rapper in the song. Um, but as you said, you know, Make Some Noise is obviously geared a lot more towards the rap rock sound. And the riff may be the same as Break It Down, but the beat is much bouncier. It's got more of a groove to it. It it is, like you said, actually living up to the funkiness of the DX riff more than Break It Down does. Otherwise, you've got a lot of other elements in the song. A lot of yes, you tell ems, ha ha ha. <laughs> and there's also like a synth added to the background. A woodblocker too is in there. So even though the song heavily borrows from Break It Down, it does deviate from it enough to where it can be its own song for X-Pac. And you know it's an X-Pac song, not just because they say X-Pac in it, but because they say suck it yeah. like 40 times. Suck yeah. it, suck it, suck it, suck it, suck it, suck it, suck it. That was one thing that I wanted to bring up. This was This is probably, at this point, the most vulgar theme that yeah. has ever been produced for this company. You know, not even the DX theme has the word suck it in it. Yeah, like I mentioned, uh, break it down, there's no swearing, no profanity. And X-Pac is the king of doing the crotch chop. He would rattle off like 60 of those in a night. So it's very apropos that this song is doused in suckets. Something that is not profanity, but that kind of sounds like it, is the line, I'm not the one to try your luck with. It kind of sounds like I'm not the one to try to fuck with. Yes. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's when I'm... I'm performing this song while driving in the car i go with i'm not the one to try to fuck with because it's just it's more fun to say but because it sounds like that and this is interesting that part was actually censored in one of the wwf nintendo 64 video games i'm not sure whether it was wrestlemania 2000 or no mercy but in one of them when you get to that part they kind of messed with the audio so it sound it goes like i'm not the one to try to look with <laughs> and, and i'm like that's not a, I knew at that point it's like that's it does he's not saying fuck but I think whoever was editing the music for the video game thought that he was so I've always found that kind of funny well whoever it was I can't blame them because yeah. you brought up mishearing the opening shout out of make some noise this whole song has like plenty of lines where I have no idea what is <laughs> yeah. being said specifically the rap parts it's like what is he saying? You hate him and love him. I'm not the one you tried to buck with. Yeah. What? One of the illest that ever half stepped. I've what, always what thought. What? I've always thought that the uh, the when the rapper first comes in, it sounds like he's saying X Pac putting bovines to a stop. Yeah. Which <laughs> he's spin kicking cows in the face. <laughs> 
And and reading the lyrics on different websites, I don't think anyone knows what the real lyrics are. No. Because there are variations from site to site. You can get the gist of most of them, but there are some that are just so bizarre to me. I looked one up, and it confused the hell out of me. What the hell does magzeal that body keep it rocking? Because that's what Genius.com says the line is. And there's no annotation either. So, so I'm, I'm baffled, sir. I, I am baffled. Now, there's one more part about the song that I want to bring up. And it also has to do with hearing lyrics. It's the first line in the book on a shelf verse. The line varies depending on the website. I've always heard it as pop wanted me, pop the pop wanted me to be someone else. So, like, Chris Warren's dad or X-Pac's dad disapproved of him being... X-Pop? X-Pop, yeah. yeah. (laughs) X-Pop, yeah. He disapproved of his boy being in the degenerate lifestyle and wanted him to do something else, like banking or landscaping or whatever. (laughs) So that's what I always heard. That's my story, I guess. Uh, Did you hear that line as anything in particular, Chris? You know, in all my years of performing this song, I have never <laughs> I've never thought twice about what that line could possibly be. It's just I don't seek out lyrics that often. I'm just happy to sing along with whatever I think it is if I like the melody. So, yeah, I've never really I've never really stopped to think about it, but I have no fucking idea. That that, that might be it. I mean, it makes sense, but you know, that would be a podcast in itself. Misheard wrestling theme lyrics and just kind of make your own. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. X-Pac is a banker. I'd, I'd like to explore that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make some loans. <laughs> if you open an account here, you'll get a free can of Hanson's energy drink. <laughs> a free Hanson's energy drink. If you open an account. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, we teased it earlier, and the time has come to play it and discuss it. It's the cover of Make Some Noise that Chris discovered all those years ago. It's by a group called Countdown Media, and they are a production library that covers a lot of different genres. And apparently, one of those genres is wrestling themes. And this cover has appeared on a variety of albums. Uh, They must have repackaged the same songs over and over and over again. Extreme Wrestling Anthems, uh, Wrestling Anthems Volume 1. It doesn't really matter what the album is. It's, it's the same songs. So let's hear what Countdown Media has to offer with their take on Make Some Noise. Make Some Noise! You think you can tell us what to do? Yeah. You think you can tell us what to wear? You think you're better? Yeah. You better get ready to bow to the master. Talking in a rate into something fool. I just got tired of doing what you told me to do, but that's the brakes, boy. Yeah, that's the brakes, little man. You tell her, X-Pop, I pull up mine till it stops. Speak my mind, I keep it rocking, that's the bottom line. Suck it, two tears in a bucket. You hate it or love it, I'm not the one to try your luck with. I hit hard like brass knuckles. Send your face through the turnbuckle, dude. I got no luck you. Which generation X? Who's gonna kick your ass? Which generation X? Item number one, the opening <laughs> bass drop. It's not bow, it's boo. 
Which is fitting because that's my reaction to this song. Boo. <laughs> like, 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 like booing. <laughs> you get it, Chris? I got it. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure. I, I just want to make sure. I, I gave you a chuckle, man. Listen. All right. Okay. All right. That's our first item. Item number two. The first words uttered in the song. Make some noise. The words that broke my heart. Now, in the original, what does it sound like? Punk, street, raw. Chris, what did we agree that it sounds like here? The subject of a podcast that came out last year entitled Missing Richard Simmons. I think we know where he is, Andrew. <laughs> he's... he's he was in the recording booth the entire time. <laughs> he's, he's making some noise. He's making some noise with Extreme Wrestling Anthem. It sounds like Richard Simmons. Uh, in fact, let's stop the tape, rewind this motherfucker to the beginning, and play that part again. And, and this time, I want you at home to imagine that it's Richard Simmons behind the microphone. Make some noise! And again. Make some noise! One more time. Make some noise! I mean, if there's anyone, anyone on the face of the earth that you don't want people to draw comparisons to for your cover of a cool wrestling theme, it's Richard Simmons. Uh, God bless the guy. We all love him. We all know him, but not him. You want to hear the line, make some noise, and think, fuck yeah, X-Pac, not, what the fuck, was that, was that Richard Simmons? And I know it wasn't their intent to have that line sound like Richard Simmons, but someone, anyone, involved in the recording process should have recognized it, stopped the tape, and had that line be redone, because it's not only out of place, but it's also shrill. And shrill is also not what you're going for with Xbox theme. So that whole thing is not good. I almost hope that it was on purpose. Yeah. Just because the alternative is that someone recorded this and then like a bunch of other people were like, yeah, that's, that sounds, sounds just like it, man. Like you wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know the difference. Like that was what would happen in that recording studio. It's like Chris Warren's actually here, man. <laughs> we're making magic. <laughs> Chris who? Man, these, these Extreme Wrestling Anthems songs, I mean, and it's been repackaged, as you said, a million different times and called a million different things, but it's all essentially the same track listing, just all mixed in a different, you know, sequence in a different order. It's hilarious. Like, if you're ever in a bad mood, just go put on one of the songs from this album. Like, the Rocks theme on this album s sounds like it was performed by Kurt Angle with a cold. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? <laughs> And like the na the nation of domination sounds like like seventy Darth Vaders like a we are the world of Darth Vaders <laughs> singing the nation of domination theme. It is it's incredible. There's there's a there's a lot of gold to be uh, to be discovered there with with extreme wrestling anthems. Volume one, by the way. I don't know if there was a volume two. It might it might have just been all the same songs rearranged in a different order. Lord help us. I mean, this song, man, it, it gives off such huge karaoke vibes yeah just like a, a bunch of goobers got up oh, one night and decided <laughs> to sing x-pox theme at the local bar there is nothing cool about 
any of the people singing on this song. First of all, they enunciate every single word so obviously. I actually know what the book on a shelf lyric is now. <laughs> it's stop wanting me, stop to stop wanting me to be someone else, which makes a lot of sense for an X-Pac theme, but at the same time, doing that I think loses the laid back cool factor. Also, the guy singing Chris Warren's part sounds so whiny and annoying. Degenerate into something, fool. I just got tired of doing <laughs> I just what you got told me tired. Like, yeah, he really enunciates. But that's the breaks, boy. <laughs> I just got tired of doing what you told me to do. It's like you pick like the, the nerdiest guy in class and like put on the instrumental. It's like, here you go, here are the lyrics. It's like the whole song altogether, it just sounds like like every group of white guys in a car rapping <laughs> along to a song on the radio. They just sound so dorky. It's so dumb. Who are these people? I want to know who these people are, and I want you to get them on the podcast. <laughs> I, I have no clue. No, no, no clue. Even the guy rapping, who by all accounts should be the coolest because he's rapping. You need the cool <laughs> no. guy to rap. That's the rule of hip-hop. Even he is so lame because he doesn't have any flow whatsoever. He doesn't have any groove. Even if you're not a big hip-hop fan, you can tell that it feels like he's just reading it off the paper. Yeah, it sounds like he's never even heard the song because he gets the delivery wrong. It's like the easy thing about doing a cover song, especially if you're trying to be accurate to it, is that it, the work is already done for you. Instead, he's like, suck it. Two tears in a bucket. <laughs> Hate it or love it. I'm not the one that tried to let. Like, it's like, dude, no. Your interpretation is not, like, you're not elevating the song to a new, <laughs> to a new level of artistry <laughs> with your, <laughs> with your goofy delivery. It's so dumb. Oh, God. The, the whole thing is just terrible. And I don't know what poor sap bought this thing. I what? <laughs> oh, right. Sorry. Sorry. I was sorry. a poor sap. Besides you, besides you, what what poor unaware mother saw this album for sale in like a Walmart and was like, oh, wrestling albums. Oh, my son is a big wrestling fan. I'm going to buy this CD for him and give it to him for his birthday. Oh, lady, you've been duped. You've been fooled. If I ever wrote some sort of screenplay based on my life, this would be the Little Orphan Annie decoder pin scene from A Christmas Story. <laughs> this would be that for me. The disappointment when I put in that CD, I cannot describe. I want WWF The Music Volume 3 for Christmas. You'll blow your ears out, kid. <laughs> then Santa pushes you down the slide with his foot. Ho, ho, ho. Boy. Chris, I think we should move on from Make Some Noise and move on from this awful cover. But before we do, I just want to read a YouTube comment about the cover. It's by Rex Sexton, the great Rex Sexton, who says, Oh, okay, I'll make some noise. This sucks. With seven U's. Well said, Mr. Sexton. Well said. Rex Sexton saying what we all are thinking. Great name, by the way. So X-Pac is plugging along, uh, wins the WWF European Championship a few times, has some great matches with D'Lo Brown and Jeff Jarrett and Shane McMahon. Eventually, DX splits up in 1999. Triple H, China, and Billy Gunn turn heel and go their own ways. 
Road Dog and X-Pac stay face. X-Pac starts teaming up with Kane, which was a great short-lived tag team. They won the tag belts a few times. But that doesn't last long because, whoop, DX is back together again. And X-Pac is now a scumbag heel of the highest degree. And as we get into the year 2000, Jim Johnston updates the, the DX theme. Because it's 2000, and we need to make things all hip and cool. So young millennials like Ata and T-Hawk will watch. <laughs> so this is the song that was recently released on WWE Uncaged 4. This is Break It Down 2000. Are you ready? You think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? Check this you think out. that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. the year 2000 chris it's the willennium <laughs> it's the millennium <laughs> which means that we got to take this old dusty dx theme and give it a makeover so now we processed the shit out of it and made chris warren sound like he's in a space vortex and now he's screaming yeah 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 welcome to 2000 motherfuckers chris Anything to say about this song? Because that's really all I got here. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. The first time I heard it, I went nuts. And then spent like a million years on Kazaa or whatever it was at the time trying to find it. Which you could only find like a 30 or 40 second version of it. That was... I guess it would have been whatever... Titantron video they released on WWF.com that was awful quality and you had to look at Stephanie doing the crotch chop in the video while you listened to it so it really just left a sour taste in your mouth but I do remember just thinking it was really cool that hey a spruced up version of the DX theme with extra Chris Warren vocals I mean but aside from that it's it's not a whole lot different it's not much of a departure it's there's nothing really 2000 about the sound of it it almost sounds more retro it sounds like dx 1963 you know it, it has it's very flangy it's very modulated it's very chorusy there's not a whole lot that sounds futuristic or 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 2000 or there's there's no willennium it's not willennium enough there's no it should have just had he they should they should have just put will smith ad libs <laughs> Are you ready? Woo! Ticka ticka yeah. Generation X. Na 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 na. Although Will Smith wouldn't say suck it because he doesn't have to cuss in his raps to sell records. He's wholesome and clean. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that would have been yeah. Will, why haven't we gotten a Will Smith wrestling entrance theme? That would I, I would I would dig that. He's busy, you know. Making shit movies. Yeah, with Netflix. Look, songs get remade all the time. Uh, Rock's theme, Taker's theme, AJ Styles, Genki Horiguchi, the list goes on. I'm not saying that Break It Down is sacrosanct. 
and you can never remake it ever. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I can see the reasoning why they would remake it. Not just because it's 2000. This new reformed DX that came together in late 99 was a different beast than the old DX. Instead of it being the DX army, a band of brothers, everyone's an equal, DX 2000 was serious main event WWF champion Triple H with the trunks, his wife Stephanie, and now X-Pac and the Outlaws are his goons, his underlings. So if they want to update the DX theme as well, fine. I just think this is a poor, not even a remake really, it's, it's a poor remix of the original song, and I think it could have been done better. You know, that, that's all really. Oh, definitely. There's a lot that could have been explored. It feels just kind of lazy and uninspired, a lot like this iteration of DX. I don't remember having fond memories for this reunion of DX, and it really just kind of turned me off of everyone involved at the time. So, uh, yeah, there's... It, I'm glad that this got released on Uncaged, and I'm, I really do hope that that series continues, by the way. Now that Jim Johnson is gone, I, I hope that they don't think that that closes the door on the fact that fans still want to hear a lot of this rare and unreleased material. So I like that they released it, but it's not something that I ever see myself going back to a whole, you know, very often. While he was in DX2000, uh, Xbox also used The King's by Run DMC off of WWF Aggression, which we talked about on the hip-hop episode with Rich Krejci. And it's this period of time, late 99-2000, when we get the bucket hat <sighs> and the nunchucks and the energy drink and that Jezebel Torre becomes his valet and the term X-Pac Heat rears its ugly head. And if you don't know what the term X-Pac Heat is... It's also called Go Away Heat. This is where fans boo and hate not the character that's being portrayed, but the actual person, the actual wrestler. They don't want to see a villain be punished. They just want to see a person lose their paycheck and not be on the show at all and just go away. Rocky Maivia had it. John Cena had it. Roman Reigns. Eva Marie. Jeff Hardy in ROH the first time. The No Limit Soldiers in WCW, <laughs> the entire December to Dismember pay-per-view. It's been around long before X-Pac was even a character, and it's been around long after. The goal of every heel, I think, is to be someone that the fans love to hate. They want to boo you and see you get your comeuppance. With X-Pac, though, they just hated him. And I think the big reason why is because people were just sick of him at that point. He was stale. He hadn't evolved as a character. He hadn't moved up the card or advanced in his career at all. He was still a mid-carder. His heel persona, too, was just grating beyond belief. I go back and watch him in 2000, 2001. It just comes off as so annoying. Like stink lines are just wafting off of him at every, every point. And people just got sick of it. So they boo him, and they chant, X-Pac sucks, nonstop, and they just never lighten up to him. And thus, X-Pac heat was born, and that term followed him for many, many years. Um, Chris, you were watching it in real time. Any thoughts on X-Pac heat? It was very interesting for me at the time, because 
you know, I've mentioned that X-Pac was a favorite of mine for a few years in the beginning. And then the whole DX reunion kind of turned me off. And then around this time, I started to just kind of get conflicted because, ah, you know, I used to love him. I wasn't really ready to see everybody hate him so vehemently. So I just kind of never formed an opinion either way on X-Pac. So any period from from this point on, I never really even thought twice about my feelings on X-Pac. It was almost kind of just a non-factor at that point because it was easier for me to just kind of be like, ah, yeah, I used to like X-Pac, but whatever, you know, I was... I was younger and and now I'm now I'm 11 and now I'm making the real decisions. You know, n- now I'm yeah, Chris Jericho, you know? So, it's like eh I could see how he was an unwanted remnant of the attitude era and people were ready to move on and he was not. And in a business where you know, you just have to constantly be reinventing yourself and as they like to bring up that that, you know, that Madonna comparison whenever they're talking about somebody who just reinvents themselves year after year and, and, you know, has these different eras. I mean, that's very true. You have to be versatile and you have to grow and change. Look at Chris Jericho, you know, look at, even look at the undertaker, you know, sometimes it doesn't pan out, but you have to change. And for X-Pac, it's just kind of like, no, I'm just going to keep being this guy until I'm just so annoying that people can't take it anymore. Speaking of things that some people can't stand, uh, we come now to what will no doubt be the most divisive theme on the list. Maybe not between you and I, Chris, but certainly amongst the general population of wrestling fans. Because it is now 2001, DX has broken up again, and X-Pac has moved on to a new stable. His own stable, X-Factor, with Just Incredible and Albert. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please welcome to the stage Uncle Cracker and his song, What You Looking At. Yo, you dealing with the X Factor. I got everything I ever Yo. wanted and I'll never Yo. give that back. Yo. Oh, I know you hate the that factor. factor, but you ain't gotta look at me like that. I said you ain't gotta look at me like that. What you looking at? Like that. See, never in my life could I front like that. I ain't caught like that. I couldn't run like that. I'ma keep it non-fiction and take my hat off. Oh, you never back when things look grim. I spent a lot of money and time on whims. I remember the crew, remember the good times, remember the orange, and I remember the sunshine. It's all gone, that's the thing of the past. The fact remains that it moves real fast. So why you sit around hoping things won't change? I'll be sitting pretty singing, hey, I brought this up on the first Q&A that I did by myself. Someone asked if I had any guilty pleasure wrestling themes. I don't really believe in guilty pleasures because you like what you like, you know? But if I had to use that term, it would apply to this song because a lot of people don't like it. And they've said so plenty of times on the internet. (laughs) Maybe because it's associated with X-Pac and X-Pac Heat sort of rubbed off on it, or maybe they just don't like Uncle Cracker at all, which is understandable, to be honest. Either way, they don't like it, but I love it. 
I really do. It's like St. Anger. I can't help but enjoy this song that deep down I know is not great, but I still love it. I, I, I love the sunsetty, summery vibe. Nothing too jarring about the music. Everything flows together, kind of. There's some fun guitar work in there. That down, 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 down. And Uncle Cracker, who I'm not a fan of, I think he's good on the mic as well. Whether it's the, the more intense, harder-edged verses, or the more lighter tone that he has with the hook. So this song gets a thumbs up in my book, and I don't care who knows it. I mean, there's just so much to unpack here. This could have been the episode by itself. There will never be a more infamous intro to a wrestling theme ever in life than yo you dealing with the x factor <laughs> i mean that's the type of thing where if you're listening to a podcast and someone mentions x factor they have to like drop it in because it's just so it's so funny i don't understand how you could hate this theme just because of the sheer amount of just joy and comedy that it provides you it is, it's one of those things where if you're having a bad day, again, you can just throw this on and just be like, holy shit, like this, first of all, how did this happen? <laughs> what was the sequence of events that led to this uncle, this actual Uncle Cracker song to become a wrestling theme? How did this, how did this happen? How, how, first of all, how did Uncle Cracker happen? I think that's something that, that should be explored at some point. Uh, before humans go extinct but how did this wind up being a wrestling theme how did this wind up being x-pac's theme i really would like to know i don't know if he's ever touched on this i know he has a podcast i do not listen to it but i would really love to know if this was his call if this was someone else's call maybe they just figured that hey everybody already hates x-pac at this point Except for me, I was still, you know, I was emotionally hurt and really just not ready to process, so I was compartmentalizing. But aside from me, did they just figure everyone already hates this guy, we might as well just lean all the way into it? <laughs> and how do we do that? Well, let's get Uncle Cracker. <laughs> what, I just, I, I mean, there's so there's so many angles that we could that we could explore this from. There are so many... There are so many things to just to to examine here. I mean, what what do you got? What do you- Listen, to be honest, I, I don't have much to say because when I was taking my notes, I just got lost in the awesomeness of the song. The one thing that I guess I'll bring up to talk about is the opening because this song is not a WWF song, as we already know. They took it off of the Uncle Cracker album Double Wide. So he doesn't reference X-Factor or wrestling in it because it wasn't written with them in mind. So what Jim Johnston did was he took the line, Yo, you dealing with the X-Factor, which we'll explain the origins of in a few minutes. And then he took the word X-Factor and pasted it over Uncle Cracker's singing. Because in the original version, the line is, I got everything I've wanted and I'll, I'll never, never get that back. back. Oh, I know you hate that fact but you ain't gotta look at me like that i said you ain't gotta look at me like that and that fact and x factor are fairly similar so they just pasted one over the other so if you listen really closely to the song you can hear uncle cracker say that fact underneath the much louder x factor 
which is pretty funny, and to be honest, for a group like X-Factor, who are three mid-card jamokes, it's so appropriate that they can't even get their own theme song done for them. They have to dub over a song that already exists. Imagine having to make the X-Factor edit of this song. How? How? I just want to know how this was a good idea to anyone. Especially when you listen... I mean, I never listened as far into the song as I did for taking notes for this episode, but there's some very strange stuff that starts happening around, like, two minutes in. Like, it sounds like the song, like, starts to have a stroke. It sounds like five different radio stations are all playing at once at one part. It's it's insane. And let's also talk about how Uncle Cracker was the proto-T-Pain on this song. How so? Well, his his vocals, the way his vocals are processed, like, does that not sound like a trend that would come about like 10 years later in in music with auto-tune oh i see yep yep auto-tuning yep okay they just sound so strange and this was like the proto country hip-hop hybrid that started happening in like the mid-2000s all the way to like the fact that like a lot of pop country is now very hip-hop influenced and i feel like this was like this was like the the guidebook on how to do that and and the the guy now I don't know who that is rapping the verses is that Uncle Cracker himself? Uh, I believe that's him because it's it sounds like a dollar store Kid Rock. And if you're, I mean, being being actual Kid Rock is not a good thing. Being dollar store Kid Rock is wow, like ugh, it's 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 not looking good. Well, Uncle Cracker and Kid Rock are friends. Actually, I th- I think they they grew up together. And they used to play together, too. Um, they're both from Michigan. Yeah, Michigan, yeah. Oh, they're cut from the same cloth, let me tell you. I love it. I love it so much. I don't care. I, I, I love it, too. Like, I, it's a joy to listen to. I, for everything that I've just said, I get so much pleasure out of listening to it. Unfortunately, if you go on the award-winning WWE Network, you won't find this theme on it. Uh, they have scrubbed it out like so many other popular songs and they've overdubbed it because i watched a clip on youtube and they did come out to the theme and then i watched the same clip on the network and it was overdubbed which is a travesty in my opinion how how dare they especially with the version that they overdub it with yeah which we'll get to now uh if, if you go on the network and you watch x factor matches you'll hear one of two themes the first one was never officially released but you can get a clean version of it on YouTube. This is Jim Johnston with a song called Dealing with the X Factor. Hey yo, you dealing with the X Factor. well call this one Blandin with the X Factor because holy moly this one is generic as fuck it's like some semi-industrial hard rock literally it could have belonged to anyone and the only reason you can distinguish this as an X Factor theme is because they stuck hey you're dealing with the X Factor at the beginning it's just 
it's so dull and uninteresting to me. It's like the buzzkill theme <laughs> without the saving grace of someone saying, what a buzzkill. That would be a fun edit to make. Yeah. <laughs> Put buzzkill in this. Yeah, I, I specifically remember the first time I heard this being used, and I think it was rare that it was actually used by X-Pac in competition, but I remember an episode of Sunday Night Heat where they did a live X-Pac interview at WWF New York back when they used to do that, when they would cut live um, to WWF New York, and then they would cut between that and the tape matches. And X-Pac came out to this when he was walking out on the stage for the interview. And I remember just being like at simultaneously so delighted that I wasn't being Uncle Crackered anymore, but also being like, this is kind of shit. I mean, the, the intro is just kind of an annoying, weird... Like it's if you can if you can cover something really well on a kazoo and it sounds like the actual song, then it's probably not very good. But then it goes into this big, like chunky, heavy riff that's like too heavy for for X Pac. Yeah, it doesn't gel with him at all. You're right. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say that uh, I would rather deal with the other x-factor theme than this one yes the other x-factor theme that's on the network is one that doesn't really get mentioned at all not even on the wikipedia page it's actually i believe the first official x-factor theme and this is where you're dealing with the x-factor comes from it was only used for a very short time and there is not a clean version of this song available anywhere uh someone on youtube actually cut and pasted the song together as best as they could from TV rips. I'm just going to warn you guys ahead of time that what you're about to hear is not clean at all. It's very much like Frankenstein's monster, all, all cut together oddly. Just be aware that this song is called Revolution. Yo, you dealing with the X Factor. Yeah. Yo, 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 yo. Yeah, yo, 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 yeah, yo, yo, yo. It may be a little hard to hear, and again, apologies, it's the best I could find. But from what we could tell, the song does skewer more towards the hip-hop genre, much like Make Some Noise does. Here, though, there's a lot less going on than Make Some Noise. The same few lines are repeated over and over again about the revolution will be televised, coming at ya, closed captcha. Not much to the music, just a simple percussion beat over and over again. Nothing really memorable about the song at all. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about it, really. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, that's it. <laughs> like an, an ad-lib fest. Like, it was just like every, every ad-lib that you have in hip-hop, which is usually just yeah and yo, and maybe some uhs. They should have got Will Smith for this one! <laughs> Woo! Ha-ha! Oh, yeah. Yo, you're dealing with the X-Factor. Ha-ha, yeah, ha Brush your teeth and respect <laughs> your parents. Yeah. How about your Ooh. mom and dad by getting a job so you can help pay for school supplies? Woohoo! Ha ha! <laughs> Th- see, now this is where it comes full circle. Will Smith should have done Revolution for X Factor. Listening to this really brought back 
those days, and I think I mentioned it on prior episodes of listening to themes that were pieced together by a bunch of TV recordings that had commentary on them. That is how I listened to Rob Van Dam's One of a Kind theme before it was released on Forcible Entry. That's how I listened to uh, Rey Mysterio's theme for many, many years. Had Michael Cole talking over it, and that was just the reality. You would go on Kazaa or Napster or LimeWire or whatever you had, and you would find these themes that had Jim Ross or Michael Cole speaking over them, but only in certain sections too. There would be like a clean section and then like 30 seconds in it would cut to commentary and then it would cut to like a low quality arena recording and then it would cut back to the commentary. And that to me is such a important part of, it's so dumb, but it's such an important part of how I listened to wrestling themes for many, many years before everything was released as a digital single. I mean, that was kind of the reality of it is that you had to listen to fan edits. So it kind of like touches a special place in my heart having to listen to this. I'm right with you. Yeah. I remember going on YouTube and listening to fan edits of James Storm's first theme, Sorry About Your Damn Luck, um, the first Motor City Machine Guns theme. I remember all that because, you know, even though YouTube was around back then and you could listen to stuff a lot more easily, you still had to wait for the CD to come out, you know, for the clean version. Otherwise, you had to rely on the editing power of other people, you know, the the kindness of strangers to make these fan edits in the meantime. And today, you know, those days are few and far between since everything comes out now, you know, relatively quickly. Yeah, very quickly, which is... Something that I really wish that we would have had back in the day. I also wish that there was more information on, again, who the rapper is. Now, in parts, does it not kind of sound like John Cena? A little bit, yeah, yeah. I sort of thought if, you know, we're talking similarities, the percussion was similar to the drum percussion in the Brawl for All theme. Oh, okay. Not yeah. much, just a little hint of it. Yeah, I could see that, especially in the kick drum pattern. I could I could see that for sure. Yeah, no, I just, every time I was listening to this, I was like, especially in the ad-libs, it sounds re- a lot like John Cena. Now, I don't, before anyone writes in, I don't think John Cena performed <laughs> this theme. I mean, maybe it could have been trademark, but probably not that either, because they do kind of sound like they have the Boston accent. But yeah, it just reminds me of John Cena, so that's kind of fun to think about. I mean, this is this is a, this is a cool theme. It's not offensive. It's not bad. It's certainly not as memorable as um, the Uncle Cracker version. But I mean, there was absolutely nothing that could be done to make X-Pac or X-Factor cool. As soon as you heard the intro, it was just a, a big sustained groan from the audience. So there was really nothing that could be done. Although I, I wish, again, I wish this is another one that, that would be released on one of the uncaged compilations. We'll see. We'll see. So after X-Factor ends, X-Pac actually stays around a little while. A whole nother year, actually. And eventually he rejoins the NWO when it shows up in WWF. And then after that, uh, yeah, he's gone. Sean Wallman leaves WWF in mid-2002 and pretty soon after shows up in NWA TNA as Sixpac, and he's been in and out of TNA a bunch of times. His first run, he used a theme that I can't find anywhere, but I swear it's an early stripped-down version of Sanjay Dutt's theme, Cobra, so I'll give a shout-out to that. When he came back in 2005, he came back as Sean Waltman, and he had a new theme that is available. This is Dale Oliver, and I believe the official title is just called Sean Waltman Theme, 
but that's really boring. And I remember years ago when I downloaded it for the first time back in 2007, I gave it a much better title, <laughs> one fitting for this theme. I call it Make Some More Noise. Awesome. So the story behind this song, Chris, is actually quite fascinating. What happened was Jeff Jarrett went to Dale Oliver's office one day, and he was like, hey Dale, listen, Sean Wellman's coming back to the company, we need a song for him, we need something new, he's coming back, do you have any ideas? And Dale Oliver, who was in the middle of his lunch break, put his sandwich down and said, uh, yeah, I guess we could do... Here we go. And then just repeat that for 90 seconds on a loop. And Jeff Jarrett went, Well, sounds good to me. And off he went. Strutted away. Door closes down. So, yeah, that's the song. Just the same few notes over and over and over again definitely one of Dale's less creative endeavors. Obviously, he's trying to mimic the vibe of Make Some Noise. This one, I think, is skewed more towards the rock side of things, because the rock is more pronounced than the hip-hop is, because, well, frankly, there's no rapping at all. But the beat, I think, is still that bouncy, raise-your-arm-up-and-down-like-you're-at-a-hip-hop-concert type of beat. It's funny, the song starts with someone yelling, Six Pac! And, Chris, this whole thing started with you thinking that the guy was yelling, X-Pac, and make some noise. So maybe Dale Oliver himself was of the mindset that he was hearing the guy yell, X-Pac, and use that as the impetus for his ripoff theme. Now, that could very well be, although I would suggest that Dale Oliver might have been in a different kind of mindset if you will because it sounds like the vocalist is yelling sex pop <laughs> which totally should have been a thing i mean t- i guess technically it was a thing because there were a couple of videos released <laughs> yes yes he, we all know what he did he should have joined sports entertainment extreme <laughs> he should have been sex pop in tna would have fit right in would have been incredible oh my god i mean as- aside from sex pop this may be the most boring theme we've ever covered on on this podcast here. And I mean, I, you mentioned like the awkward rap rock hybrid he was going for. Didn't quite nail it the way Big Jimmy did, as you mentioned. This is more of like dad rock meets Tony Hawk's pro skater menu music is what this is. It's it, it's just awkward as shit. And it sounds like they're yelling sex pock, which is funny on many different levels. So, thank you, Dale Oliver. (laughs) And that's the end of that. (laughs) So, Waltman leaves TNA again after a little while, and he doesn't show up again for another few years, 2010, when Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff and the rest of that cancerous tumor squad takes over TNA, 
and the band is back together, Chris. That was, of course, the NWO rehash stable, the band. We talked about them on the NWO episode, uh, so we played both the band theme and the Wolfpack instrumental theme, which were both used. And then after a few months, Waltman is gone once again from TNA, and he's back on the indie scene just like that. The last theme on our list belonged to Sean Waltman when he ventured to Chikara. He first debuted there in 2011 at King of Trios as the 123 Kid. He was on Team Minnesota with Eric Cannon and Darren Corbin. His theme in Chikara is by a band called The Deadites, which I love because that's an Evil Dead reference and I love Evil Dead. This is One Last Time. Deadites are a dark wave gothic rock band, and their sound certainly shows on the song. The song is supposed to be, you know, a retread of the one, two, three kid theme. That's fairly obvious with the one, two, three chant, the crowd noise, that same percussion beat and tempo. But with the Deadites, they add their own spin to it. So this one has a bit more going on in it. We start with that that sinister droning guitar riff, you know, that... Very detuned. Yeah, yeah, the guitars are are cranked nice and loud, and that continues all throughout the song. Really, if you think about it, I know 123Kid did turn heel in WWF at the tail end of his run. This could have been, I think, a great heel version of that classic theme. Yeah, it could have. Or it could have been... If he comes back and joins Sanity, this could also that's be right, his theme. That's right. That's uh, right. Actually, uh, thank you for reminding me of this. Uh, you remind me now that what I wanted to say earlier, you talked about how you like when the individual members of a faction have their own themes that play off of the yeah. faction theme. Yeah. That's what Sanity has. Yeah. Uh, they all have I, their I... own themes that are derivative of controlled chaos but at the same time have their own unique elements to them. Yeah, which I, I do enjoy. I mean, because anytime a new theme pops up on the WWE Music YouTube, I usually check it out even though I don't really keep up with the product. Uh, I love the fact that they do that for sanity. It makes everything so much more cohesive and it it's instantly recognizable and yet personalized to the individual wrestler so i think that that's really cool when you do that which is one aspect of xbox theme that i really loved but yeah as far, as far as this theme that was the only thing that i really had to know was that it sounds like if the one two three kid joined sanity the thing that i think is most significant about this song is the title one last time because we haven't really mentioned this yet a lot but sean waltman has had a very 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 rough life. Yeah. He had a really rough childhood. He's talked about being molested as a kid. He's had a ton of injuries over the years due to wrestling. Um, of course, he had the tumultuous relationship with China. The stories of his hard drug abuse are numerous. Not the weed. The, the weed is nothing in comparison. We're talking about you know him conking out on Somas in the click van back in the 90s. Multiple rehab stints. 
Um, he was fired from TNA the first time around because he got high on crystal meth before wrestling AJ Styles. He was fired the second time because he no-showed a pay-per-view. He's been arrested for possession. Worst of all, and saddest of all, he once tried to commit suicide uh, in Mexico. He tried, tried to hang himself. And thank God he failed in that attempt, and he's still around. So it's not been easy for Sean Waltman, to say the least. So at King of Trios 2011, you know, he shows up as the 1-2-3 kid, gets a great ovation from the fans, and has some of his best matches in years, including that awesome El Generico match on night three. And after that match, he got on the mic, and he told people that he believed that 2011 was probably going to be his last year in wrestling. And if that was the case, then him going out there and having a fantastic match for one last time and putting all that bad shit behind him and just leaving on a high note is a really heartwarming sentiment. Now, obviously, 2011 was not his last year because he's still wrestling, but at the time, even he probably didn't know what his future had in store for him. So for him to get a theme called One Last Time is really sweet and well-deserved. And it is really nice to see that ultimately it wasn't One Last Time. He's still going out there to this day, and he's healthy and he's strong. That was very well said, and I'm just really glad that, like you said, things kind of turned around for for Sean Waltman and, and that he's still with us and that he still has things that he can you know not only just offer to the wrestling business but that he just has a life to live and that he can you know recover from from whatever uh you know from whatever problems and and issues that he had and you know certainly the wrestling business is is you know there's a lot of a lot of really hard drug abuse maybe not so much these days but it's really sad to see guys like Sean Waltman from that era who you know didn't make it and and they don't they're not with us anymore and and it's just really I'm happy that I I would just be really bummed out if you know one of my childhood heroes X-Pac were you know were was no longer with us in in 2018 so um from that perspective I I completely agree with uh with the sentiment here um and I'm glad that X-Pac is still around and and kicking if you will, those educated feet, as Jim Ross would always <laughs> tell us about. And it was really cool, too, when he showed up on Raw 1000 with the DX reunion uh, with Sean and Triple H and the Outlaws. Then we saw him again at Mania 31, where he, he shoved Hulk Hogan to the ground, which was pretty awesome. And, yeah, Sean Waltman, he's still, he's still spin-kicking around. You know, he's got his own podcast. He's still wrestling. And best of all, it looks like he's got his shit together. He's healthy, he's happy, and that's always nice to see with wrestlers. So, good on you, X-Pac. We love you, man. Keep making some noise. And that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. Chris, thank you so much for coming back on the show for this special occasion. It was so much fun getting to do the show with you again. And rest assured, at, at some point down the line... He'll be back on talking some wrestling music. I very much look forward to it. Thank you very much for for bringing me back. One year anniversary of Music of the Mat. And I mean, 
if if the past number of episodes are any indication, I think the next year Music of the Mad is going to be the best year. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, do you have anything to plug by any chance? I don't have anything personally to plug. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not on social media anywhere, so you can't really find me. I'm not really working on anything right now. I do have a few things in development that aren't that haven't come to fruition yet, so I don't want to talk about them. You know, in case they don't happen. But uh, I will plug my buddy Tim Rooney. Um, he does a podcast called the Anything Goes Podcast, and he also just launched a new podcast on the Real Fans for Real Movies Network called Please Rewind. Um, so they're all over Twitter and, and it's on iTunes and everything. So if you want to go check that out, please rewind and the Anything Goes podcast. I pop up on Tim's podcast quite a bit. Um, so you may hear me on there in the next few months or so. So, uh, so yeah, just check out my buddy Tim's work. And as always, keep listening to Music of the Mat. And hey, go leave Andrew an iTunes review because that really helps more people find this show. And it's it's... And as a, a former co-host of the show, I can say that it would be very much appreciated if you if you went and did that and support the show. It's a very easy thing to do, but it makes a big difference. Yes, yes. Do what the nice man says. Uh, Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, home to so many awesome wrestling podcasts like the VOW Flagship, Shake Them Ropes, Burning Spirits, Open the Voice Gate, WrestleNomics, Brit Res Roundtable, New Japan Procast, and so much more. VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at MusicOfTheMat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. I just had an article that I wrote put up on VoicesOfWrestling.com last week about championship symbolism in relation to the Never Openweight Championship in New Japan. So if you go to my Twitter profile at Andrew T. Rich, you'll see a link pinned to the top of the page. So check that out as well. Voicesofwrestling.com slash forum. That's where you'll find the YouTube playlists for each episode. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes and on Google Play. Tell your friends about the show in general. And remember to also buy the New Japan 2017 Year in Review ebook curated by Voices of Wrestling. A bunch of awesome people wrote for it, including myself. You can find the links to buy it at voicesofwrestling.com slash njpw17book njpw17book that's the number 17 with all that done for chris maffey i'm andrew rich one year ends another year begins for music of the mat we'll see you next time and chris as we end the show i think it's only right that we revel in the adoration of our fans get out on that stage and take a bow (laughs) Oh, no. I had to get one more in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Take care, guys. See ya. Thanks Xbox! Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.